Welcome to the EPS podcast. We look at the rise of women in sport and entertainment. In this session, the group explore whether the industry is doing enough to support female talent working on and off stage while driving an increase in female audience members. I'm an independent events and marketing professional and I am also chair of NAWI, the network of women in events. Um, without further ado, I'm just going to do a very quick introduction of our panellists who are here today and then hand over so they can tell you more about themselves. So to my right, I have John, who is the CEO of the Association of Independent Festivals. We have Jordan Gard, who is founder and managing director of Sport of Women's Sports Alliance. We have Sarah Slater, who is Vice President of Music and Festivals um, over at Ticketmaster. And last but not least, we have Lucky Thompson, who is the Senior Director of Events and Operations at AEG Presents. So I'm just going to hand over so they can give you a little bit more background about themselves. John, over to you. Oh, I don't think a panel on women should start with a man. Okay, <laughs> Lucky, over to you. <laughs> Um, hi, I'm Lucky. I've uh, been at AG Presents for 15 years in various capacities, mainly in touring and international touring, but also covering events. And now since we've grown, I'm now fully in the events world, which includes all our special events and when we do stately home concerts and country to country festival, which is next weekend. And this weekend we got Just for Laughs. Uh, prior to that, five, uh, for five years, I was at Festival Republic doing festivals. Um, hello, good afternoon everyone. Um, so yeah, I'm Sarah. Um, I head up music and festivals for Ticketmaster UK. Um, that role means that I'm kind of the client facing person for all our major UK promoters, including Live Nation, SJM, AEG, um, everyone else that falls under the Live Nation umbrella. Um, I've not been in ticketing or in music or in entertainment my whole life, but we'll come on to that I'm sure later. Um, yeah, and just really glad to be involved in this panel today. I think it's a really, really important topic. Hi, I'm Jordan Gard, the founder and managing director of the Women's Sports Alliance and former international football player. So I founded the Women's Sports Alliance because during my playing days, there was no platform really for me to build my profile or have a voice within the sports industry. So we are a global storytelling platform that aims to advance women's sport. And uh, I'm John Rostron, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Association of Independent Festivals, uh, which I joined in November. We're a trade association brought together initially by five festivals uh, who wanted to work for the common good. We're now 108 festivals, um, uh, UK music festivals, smallest in size, it's like 1,500 people, field manoeuvres, a rave in a hidden location. Our larger members are people like Boomtown, um, the... Uh, uh, Isteadford Gunners Lathol uh, uh, and the other Isteadford, which is like 90,000 people, and Notting Hill Carnival too. But our team is actually just two people, myself and Phoebe, who's not here today. Brilliant, awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, so we're going to get stuck in, um, and Lucky, I'd, I'd love for you to share your opinion on this. Um, maybe take us back 10, 15 years ago. What, what was the landscape back then, um, and how did it look? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, when I got into the events festivals world, it was a really competitive landscape. But at that time, for the operation side where I was, I was looking to work in, it was it felt like a level playing field between male and female. It was just hard to get into whether you're male or female. Um, so it was just finding that in. It was often for knowing somebody having something useful on your CV that someone at an event you'd worked at, volunteering, getting in on internships that sort of thing um, but the the top was mainly all men um, and there was plenty of misogyny there was plenty of of things that just you now looking back on it where you just wouldn't think is the way you should have to uh, be seen in the industry uh, just to it was just commonplace it wasn't necessarily that everybody was in that but it was just something that you always heard stories of all sorts which were um, Jordan, something you were saying just now as well is perhaps it's interesting to look back 10, 20 years, but you've said that you've noticed a big shift even in the last three, four years. So in the post-COVID climate, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I always love to think about how far we've come as an industry as well as how far we have to go. And the last, if we look back 10, 20 years ago, women's sport was always secondary to men's sport within that industry. And probably literally just before COVID, just after COVID, three or four years ago, Women's sport are entering a massive boom and have entered a massive boom. So the, the progress that we've made in the last four years has been pretty extraordinary, actually. And if we continue on this path, who knows what we could achieve? You know, equality is the, the dead goal and the dead set goal of what we're aiming for. There's, there is a bit of a way to go and we need to make sure that we continue with the momentum. But we've come such a long way and I'm really pleased with that progress. And um, what would you say... Have you noticed that there are some things that have really had an impact? Is it COVID itself? What, what is it that has really driven that change? Yeah, a few things. I think role models is one. So there's, a, 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 and the Women's Sports Alliance, we try and do that. We build the profile for these female athletes and for these clubs, because I think if you can't see it, you can't be it, right? We all know that. So building profiles around these female athletes in particular in sport has been key to more sponsors coming into the sport. But also I think from a COVID perspective, what that did was um, take away any sponsors that weren't in it for the right reasons because they saw okay there's not a return on investment anymore so we're not ticking the box in the right places so what it did was got rid of those sponsors and after covid there was a real surge like i just talked about and brands are looking at women's sport and thinking that there is now possibility for a return on their investment so then we've got the right sponsors in for the right amount of money for the right reasons that are propelling women's sport forward there are so many things that I want to pick apart in all that, but one of the first things that you mentioned was the, the importance of, of role models, um, and that's definitely something that I wanted to bring up a little bit later, but as you've mentioned it, um, perhaps Sarah as well, that's something that you could share a little bit of insight about because Sarah is one of our mentors um, on part of our Level Up programme, which is a mentorship programme that we have launched over at Naui, and we have some mentors and mentees today in the audience and at the show. Um, so Sarah, could you share a little bit more on that? Yeah, I, I think it's vitally important. I mean, we, you know, we, we touched on it briefly in our pre-chat. You know, I, I come from a background, I trained as a professional dancer and kind of like growing up in that world that is very female dominated. Um, you know, I had a lot of powerful female role models, you know, not necessarily in this industry. I just think it's important to, to see people and to see people who are similar to you, you know, having a voice and taking up space. Um, so I do think it's really important. And, and, and you know, I'm really lucky that 
throughout my, throughout my career, especially at Ticketmaster, I've had a lot of powerful role models like uh, within Live Nation and Ticketmaster, and and you know, and throughout the industry, um, you know, they, they, they may be few, they, they could be more, but they're definitely the ones that are there are excellent, and and you know, and are really really creating a name for themselves. So for me, it's a lot about putting back into that and like just trying to be the best that I can be to be able to help women as they come up through the industry because you know and I just want to touch on like some of the stuff that Lucky Lucky said about you know the, the industry changing and the misogyny and all that kind of stuff I think it's like the, the, the whole like live entertainment industry has changed as a whole like you know I, I can remember you know 20, 10 15 years ago even it was a lot more um, a lot more pressure there was a lot more kind of you know maybe like a bullying aspect of uh, you know around I think that has changed as well um, so yeah I just think it's really important that you're able to support women and you know anyone that's coming up through the industry to be able to tackle the kind of nuances and some of the personalities that you have um, but yeah I'm, I'm having a wonderful time with with Naui and I think Sarah my mentees in the audience somewhere but yeah it's an amazing program and I would yeah no heavily encourage anyone to to be part of it. Um, one of the second points that you mentioned, Jordan, which I, I really want to, to raise as well, is the importance of, well, the parallels really between the athletes and the people who are at the, on, on the stages and then also off stage. So are there parallels that can be drawn there? And would you say that the two go hand in hand? And, and likewise, probably from a music point of view. Um, yeah, would you like to tell us a little bit more about that and then maybe John can share more from a music point of view? Yeah, it's interesting. I think from an athlete perspective on field, there's a clear reason why men and women compete separately. So there's a clear reason why uh, women was seen as secondary to men's sport. When you go behind the scenes, that's not justifiable in that way. So I don't understand why there's not parity there. And we talked about the fact that women have children and it's a very old school way of thinking. So how do we tackle that? And it's very challenging. But I think for me, there's not really any parallel between why there's inequalities on the field and off the field. There's something clearly not right there. So we need to tackle both of those things because I think they're very different. Yeah, I think there's definitely some parallels. Um, um from a, from a live festival perspective, um, a lot of the catalyst for change is sort of similar as it came out front of stage first with initiatives like Key Change, saying, you know, we want to try and aim for gender balanced lineups, which I think even when Key Change started, which wasn't that long ago, it felt for some people like, oh, that will never happen. But now is very much like, it's very much a part of what most people booking and running festivals think about. And you see it a lot on, on lineup, so it's similar to sport in the same way. It was the, they're the athletes, they're the people out front, and then somewhere through that movement, um, I think people began to look backstage, and there is a lot of diver, you know diversity backstage. But actually, when people looked at it more in more detail, your sound engineer or your stage manager was probably a man, and your artist liaison person was probably a woman, um, and so there wasn't that balance. And it's the same thing. It's like they, they could all be doing those same jobs. So that's where the, the shift has begun to happen more. Um, for the live festival uh, sector is looking at those backstage roles and how can we raise people up and get them into those different positions as well as into more senior management positions. And that's something that at now we, we're trying to really push as well. We're really looking to create connections and, and create partnerships with organizations, companies and trying to really push that it is okay to be a woman and trying to go in, into a tech role as a sound engineer or, or, or roles like that that are typically um, very masculine orientated. Um, 
I was going to say, I think it could, it got, you know, for me, it goes back to the role model piece, doesn't it? And the, and you're seeing people in those positions and, you know, and, and, and just being a visual kind of awareness that there are females within those roles. But I do think there's a cultural thing there as well, because you say with a lot of those tech jobs, the part, the barrier before was like you're on a tour bus, you're with a bunch of blokes, the, the culture of what you're like, I don't want to, OK, I might want to do that job, but I might not want to live that life. And I think, like we are saying, all those changes of the way that people's behaviours these days, where it's like, actually, there's a part, this is the job, and you just because you're in a senior role can't behave a certain way and just make everyone feel very intimidated sometimes um, and I think those all is it's that full change not just on the surface of going okay we well, like that role um, to it but to your point as well on the lineups like we've definitely seen there is a you know, the, the keychain thing is brilliant but you're seeing it also on the more the higher level where we're trying to get the headliners a bit more mixture in there which I think the comedy world has done brilliantly when they've got their mixed bills you now rarely ever would see a, a mixed bill that doesn't have at least a couple of females on there and it's now champ before it was a struggle to find those females yeah. and now because of that need over the years we're seeing more and more females getting those opportunities so it's it's not having to be a massive effort to to come up with that bill you know, it's interesting what you touched on there with the support as well. And I think that's one thing that we can look to discuss as well is like the differencing of support now for females within any industry, really. Um, you know, we were talking about shared parental leave. You know, I, I know like on the, the Nawi Facebook group and whatever, there's, there's shared knowledge about, you know, nannies on tour. And I saw, you know, a very intriguing post about that the other day. So I think that's that's key as well is making sure that everyone's aware of the support that, that, that is there. Um, because there's a lot of initiatives around that maybe just don't have that awareness. Um, and like you said, you're not you're not going to be, go for a role unless you feel comfortable in it, especially if you are a parent, you know. So um, yeah, and I think and you know the public perception as well. Being a working mum's completely changed. You know what I mean? Like I don't get now. Oh, you're going away. You're going away for how long? Like you know, they they know that it's a shared role. So I think that's equally as important. But it is a challenge because like when you initially have kids, like when every childcare is like from ten from eight till six, and I used to be in the office well past six, and you're just like, okay, well how do I do this? How do you know? And I think COVID and the ability to do things on teams and skype and work from home and people live way more of our, our team work outside of london now live outside of london uh, it has massively changed the landscape of I, i've been office based for the last 15 years but still that had its own stereotypes where leaving the office pre-covid when i left the office at five because i had to get for childcare i felt part-time whereas now like everybody has that opportunity we have really flexible working hours and it's a lovely lovely change where those the things that didn't matter you know, we can just get on with our jobs. So much to, to talk about there, but <laughs> definitely from, from a point of view of being a mother in the industry, again, links back so much towards the role model, because I think if you struggle to see women in the industry that have kids, then you're gonna struggle to visualize vis, visualize your lifestyle um, as how that would look, being a mother and having, um, having children. So Sarah, you're also a, a, a full-time mum as well as yeah. everything else that you're doing. So, so tell us a little bit more about that. It's not easy, I'll tell you that. But um, you know, kind of stuff that Lucky just touched on, like COVID's completely changed it. Like I try and work from home on a Monday and a Friday now. I'll go into the, into the office on most days, or you know, 
when, I, when I'm traveling, he comes a lot with me to like the festivals. Now he's at school, it's a bit different. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just those small changes of making you feel better because the guilt is horrendous. Like it is, you know, that's the hardest thing is not other people's perceptions of you, but your own perception of yourself. Um, so just the small things of like on a Monday, being able to take him, pick him up from school and take him swimming or being able to have breakfast and him not being dropped off at the, the, bre the breakfast club at eight o'clock or whatever. But I think, again, I just want, you know, with the role models in sport as well, like I think that's, you know, that helps everyone, like that you see these incredible sportswomen or these incredible artists, you know, they help us in the backstage roles as well because the more that you see this visualization of like motherhood as being like, not the stopper, not the blocker to any kind of career, the more it helps everyone really. Do you think, sorry, can I just ask, do you think that being a mum has uh, made you more successful or better at areas of your business or corporate career? For me, it's definitely made me be more time efficient of the time that you've got because you just can't let things drag out uh, because there there are things where it's a fine out. I've got to pick them up. I've got to do that. But but just to highlight from my perspective, it's so much not just about being a mum. It's about parents in general. And that's the great change where I think yeah. we're seeing it on the ground. Dads are so involved. But unfortunately, all the sort of marketing materials and the wider stuff are like is still geared. So mum this and even the health visitors and everything is all about mum, all about mum. And it's like, no, the modern parents, is, it is a split thing. We're seeing it across the board. Dad's really stepping up. Um, it's, it's just sad that so many of the stereotypes haven't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's really where I was kind of lucky is that the, the fact that we made the decision when we were going to have children that I would that I would be the one. I went back to work after four months, but that's because I had the flexibility to be able to do that because we kind of made that decision. But it was incredibly tough, like on my partner as well, because of the perception, like, you know, you're doing the pickups and stuff like that. So I think, again, just going back to this whole, you know, not just an industry thing, but the whole world's perception of parenthood and stuff. Um, changing is just you know it's just great for everyone involved I think with the with the work thing and where I saw improvements I think like you said it, it made me a lot more selfish I was always the one to kind of like be in the office till late or they always the one to pick up the phone to the promoter I still am that person I still try and do but there are often times where I'm like mate I'm not picking up the phone now I'll give you a call back at seven because it's bath time and I'm doing this and I think the more that people push back and create those boundaries at, at a senior level that helps the juniors as well like not just in the industry but in your own companies if they can see strong female role models being able to set those boundaries then it, then it does help so that's something that I heard in a podcast I can't remember who by but very recently it was something that um, someone was signing off their email just saying today I'm actually out with my kids um, at, at the park enjoying the beautiful sunshine and I will get back to your email tomorrow at nine o'clock is when I start work so I think that's there's a lot of value in that around the welfare piece and, and perhaps that is also linked to some of the changes that we've seen since po since well COVID really yeah well on the, the kids thing Serena Williams was a a moment where she came back to compete at the highest level of tennis. It was as unbelievable as ever. And young athletes or athletes that were thinking about having children, decided not to because of their sporting career, looked at her and thought, oh my God, she is superhuman. But if she can do it, maybe I can do it. So there's been more and more, or it's more and more common now for a female athlete to have a child. And like I said earlier, this is a horrible comparison, but it's almost like having an injury for nine months and then coming back from that injury. So it is doable now. Sarah, did you have anything else to add there? No, I did make a joke before, but I'm not going to make it out on the stage. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, so, 
Actually, John, this would be interesting to, to speak to you a little bit about. So you were saying that a big part of the reason you wanted to be on this panel is to make sure that you can take all of these these takeaways moving forwards and these actions and, and hopefully encourage others to change their mindset. And unfortunately, this is the, the, the problem that we have when, when we look in the audience is that it does tend to be a very female audience who come to these types of panels. But actually, for us, one of the main things that is really important, so thank you for coming, is that we really do want to have allies and, and we can talk about all of these issues. And I think we share a lot of these experiences. So we, we know, know that there are issues. Um, so moving forwards, what, what are some of the things that you're going to try to do to, to convert other men to be on our I side? Mean, firstly, that's the reason I came, because you just pointed something out that I hadn't noticed, which is predominantly women, and that's not, you know, that's great, but also not necessarily helpful. And what I told Kat, so, so I wasn't going to go for the job as the chief executive of the Association of Independent Festivals. Uh, I had a meeting with Paul, the previous chief exec, just to catch up. And he said, are you going to go for this job? And I went, no. And he went, why not? And I said, well, it'd be another middle-aged white guy running a trade association. And he said, well, look, I'm not allowed to reveal too much, but it'll probably be a middle-aged white guy running the trade association. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go for the job then. And then um, behind the scenes, you know, obviously my, my, my role is to serve all our members. Um, but behind the scenes, what I want to do is, when I leave, um, have plenty of people who, uh, alongside, I'm sure there'll be plenty of middle-aged white men going for the job, but I want lots of other people to be in that mix, which there wasn't this time around. So, so that's, that's, like a, that's why I'm here today. <laughs> um, you know, within my world of trade associations, um, you know, mostly um, they're, they're white middle-aged men that run those trade associations, and they, ha and they all have those same problems further down in their memberships. So our membership is doing really well. The festival sector is doing well. Front of stage, they're doing really well. Behind the stage, um, they're doing really well in sort of developing spaces, listening, learning, um, uh, setting role models. And, and so that's all developing. But, but at, a, at our level, at the trade association level, you still need those people who are engaged. And it takes a while. It's a bit like finding a headliner. You can't just instantly find a headliner. It takes five years on average an artist to go from a grassroots venue to a festival headline. Sam Fender is a great example. So that's a long time, and it's similar in this, in this, in this world. I'm 50 years old. You can't necessarily jump into this job as a 20-year-old. Um, so what we can do as an organization is, is we developed our board massively. So when I arrived, uh, when I was a member of AIF, when I used to run a festival, there was about 20, 25 members back then. Three festivals back then that I can remember were led by women. There was Fiona at Green Man, there was Sophia who used to sort of book and run end of the road, and uh, Sarah and Kate who ran tram lines. Um, we have 108 members now, and it's quite fluid, but over a third now are led by women, which is incredible improvement. Our board is roughly half women. You know, so those are the things that we can do, but we still, it will take a little bit of time, but hopefully one of you will apply for my job in a few years' time. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, we have come a long way, but there is still a, a long way to go. And, and an expression that, that you often hear when talking about women events is breaking through the, the glass ceiling, which is, it is a very visual way to understand how someone might feel when they're, they're from a different background, they're from a minority group, whether a woman or, or, or any other minority. So, Lucky, what would you say are some of the, well, some of the things that we can continue to do to implement, to, to make change? 
Well, I think questioning our bias, because I think a lot of the time there's this stereotype. They always do that classic thing now with kids where they're like, a firefighter, what do they look like? And you describe it, it's always described as a man. And I think those things that we say as a, who makes a good boss, who makes a good manager, and the traits that get regarded as really positive male traits, often on a female, are said in a way that it's a really negative thing. And she's like, oh, she's very picky about stuff, or she's very, she's a, you know, a bit stern on those things. And it's like, actually, yeah us all questioning going hold on are they good at what they do can they can they do this job well and actually changing how we see those traits and, and not seeing them in a separate male female way but actually in the context of the job they're doing um, because I think we see that before one of the things we kept seeing was where when it, for new roles or even promotions within the company often there would be people that would be getting the roles the, the male, <laughs> the classic male or white male, often because it kind of was like, oh, the safe bet to go with. Uh, whereas the nice thing that has really changed in recent years, and I do think the gender pay gap has been one thing that has really shone a light on it, is that kind of, is questioning going like, hold on, are we actually thinking about this properly? Are we just doing the kind of default reaction that had been done for years um, that's really changing things? Um, I mean, there's a couple of, I mean, there's one initiative that I do want to shout out that's across um, Ticketmaster and Live Nation is that we've just started um, a women's empowerment um, course um, called Rise. So I was lucky enough to be one of the um, founding people that kind of took that course um, a few months ago. And that was incredibly, incredibly powerful. You know, uh, a lot about kind of, you know, how to build your personal brand, a lot about like kind of, you know, not being so reactive, maybe like being able to manage your, like how you react to stuff a little bit better and just all these kind of skills really that, uh, that, that women will find um, necessary when kind of like trying to, trying to break through that glass ceiling. I think also that, you know, you have to realize like, I hate to say it, but like the menopause, like, you know, People, yeah, people when you try and when you're that time of age, when you're trying to go through that glass ceiling, all of a sudden, all the hormones are going mental, everything's going a bit crazy. Um, and I think, you know, the whole awareness, like the likes of Davina McCall have done around that, about, you know, how it does affect you as a woman. And, you know, it, it is going to start to make an incredible effect because there will be employees that do realize that, you know, um, we, we set up Ticketmaster Women, I said we, it was someone else, um, like a year ago. And that's one of the things that they're focusing on is how you can support women that go through the menopause um, I think there was a stat the other week that it's like 60% of the workforce or something at any one time can and, and some of the symptoms there are, are really do 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 um, hinder your ability to deal with some situations um, and so I think a general awareness of that is is a great thing and, and will help that that final push through the glass ceiling I think that sort of supporting women through that and also like say for when when I had my kids when I was first getting back into work just when you normally have this overriding imposter syndrome anyway and when at times where you're like am I actually doing my job properly there's there's a million things that I feel like I could also be doing and I know I'm not doing them are they uh, you know is this counting towards it um, and like you were saying with same thing with the menopause type symptoms if you, if you feel like you're not able to do your job properly having that network around you of people that can reassure people that can even just know where you're at because sometimes for me like when I used to be in my earlier part of my career and I'd be out in the evening my social life was work you know everybody knew a lot about me and exactly what was going on in my life when you when I, I then had kids and I wasn't spending so much social time a lot of the time I'm just running in the office running out the office and people don't know what's going on and also I don't know what's going on in their lives and I think having those networks where you kind of go oh yeah well you know she's dealing with a child that's just been sick the whole time for the last six months and those kind of things just really help reassure and I feel as women sometimes you do need 
some form of reassurance of just someone that just kind of checks in with you and just kind of goes right yeah no we're fine this is it is, it is that support, isn't it? I'm just trying to think, like, it is the support. So it's great that you kind of have these networks now that enable, you know, women to get into the industry and to be able to view women in the industry and stuff. But I think it's vitally important that that support goes through your career because if we do want to break through the glass ceiling, you can't go, oh, they're all right. Look at them sat in their nice little corner office having a, you know, you've still got to be able to support them because there are still, there are still um, differentiations in continuing your career as a female, a woman, uh, uh, that there is as a man, and I think that is really important. And, and at senior levels, it's still outnumbered. Yeah. There's still more men yeah. than there are women. The cultures of meetings are still, it's better, but it's not, it's not changed no. completely. Can I, I just want, I want to ask him a question. I want to say something and then ask a question. Because I went to Showcase Scotland a few years ago, and, um, and I was with a colleague, Ju Judith, and I asked her what she was doing that night. And she said, she'd never been to Showcase Scotland before. And she said, oh, I'm going out. And I've forgotten, unfortunately, the name of the, Lisa, who, who runs it. She said, I'm going for dinner with Lisa. I said, oh, is that, what's that about? Because I couldn't see it in any of the brochures or anything. She said, oh, no, she does a little dinner, apparently, for everyone that's not been before. And she basically invites, at her own expense, the women who've never been before out for a little dinner on the first night to give them that sort of like support and I thought that was brilliant like that's like a little hidden wonderful thing that men definitely don't need and women do and I just wondered actually if there were ex other little, little can I say that if there are other little tiny examples of good support that you've seen that that make a difference. So for us at AEG, they've actually, uh, in the last sort of three, four years, they started a, a management training scheme. We never used to have any form of, when you went through to then starting to manage teams, to have anything that was the training. The, the actual training was great, but wasn't the main part. The main part was putting us in a room with right across the business, on the venue side and the festivals and, and touring, um, to have us all there and have, and just be able to talk about similar experiences, similar problems, especially with larger teams and things, how you manage situations. And I think this is a male-female thing as well, but often when there are more complications on perception with women, uh, that often having that forum of other people to kind of talk to and have as an ongoing network of people um, has been really helpful. Yeah, I think for me, like the rise um, program that I kind of mentioned before. Um, I also started something called the Connection Sessions um, because I think that, you know, as a female or a woman in any industry, or I suppose for anyone, like networking's like a pretty daunting prospect, but it's absolutely necessary to be able to get anywhere in this field. So it was kind of creating a safe space for like females and, and to be able to come and that we just brought them into like the Ticketmaster office and the bar downstairs and just gave a few tips on like how to network and just made it so that it was just all kind of women just able to, you know, make a fool out of yourself if you have to, do you know what I mean? Not that anyone did. Um, and then I suppose just stuff like, again, just, just because the social aspect and the networking aspect is so huge in the kind of role that I play as a client-facing role, was just kind of some of the smaller kind of events and dinners. So um, I, one of my mates, mine, Sammy Andrews, ran like a Teenage Cancer Trust, like a smaller lunch. So it wasn't like these really expensive dinners that we all have to go to for award shows and stuff. It was kind of a place where I was able to go to the boss can I, take, can I take a table of, you know, younger account managers and just show them like what these kind of situations are like? Because sometimes you are just dumped in a kind of huge awards kind of dinner thing where you just expect to network and chat. So just being able to support people in that aspect. So it's not necessarily a, a skill that you learn through like, you know, a course or something or going to uni. It's something that you do have to develop. So creating safe spaces that you're able to do that, I think is key. 
yeah, for me, I wish that I had something like that because networking is literally my worst nightmare. I hate turning up places on my own, loads of other amazing women there. But I think also another point I want to make is that it's all very well and good talking about women supporting other women, but females can be competitive and cutthroat and not want to support other women sometimes and I've come across a lot of those types of individuals in the sports industry whereby they don't want to support me because I, maybe they're threatened or I, I'm not sure of the circumstances but I've never had a mental role I've never had other women that have supported me to get where I am now and I don't want to rely on other women or men to support me in getting there I want to work my absolute socks off and do it for myself it would be great to have other women other men whoever else supporting me and I'm really lucky to be in an organization where I am super supported but away from that I'd love to have had things like this whereby other women are saying come with me you know I'll support you and I'd love to do that for the next generation of talent it's not always the case yeah, so, well, so, sorry <laughs> but yeah so it is really interesting because Obviously, you guys work at very big organizations, and so I think that there is always a little bit of budget and time and, and a, a bit of um, mindfulness around those organizations. And then, of course, there's the whole world of freelancers, which often gets forgotten about. Forgotten about. Um, and a big part of what we're doing at Nowi really is trying to, to bridge the gap and, and create these initiatives and these programs and open conversations, create support networks, create community and, and so sort of to answer your question, um, a lot of what we're doing is those networking events and, and things like that. So the aim is to really make it accessible to everybody, share the knowledge and make sure that we're acting as a community and empowering one another. And, and it's not a competition. We are all here to support each other. So um, I think that's, that's an interesting point as well. It is sharing the knowledge, isn't there? There's probably a lot that we do do in the larger corporations that may be, you know, working together with organizations. You, can, you know, because we, you know, the whole festival world touring world can't operate without freelancers so if we're not you know what I mean like I think I think that's um, something to definitely pick up on and someone made a really good point to me earlier about saying I'm freelance so any time that I spend going to a networking event any expenses incurred any travels any drinks for any you know just even the time and I think that's the nice thing when you are employed is that you do get your training paid for you get to access to these networks you get access to uh, and, and it also just creates more um, yeah, access, it's easier to access, whereas when you're freelancer, you really do have to um, push yourself a little bit more, and it can be daunting, and that's a lot of what we try to do, is just, it is very, we try to make it fun, and we try to make it low pressure, and it, it really is just come and have a have a drink, have a chat, and, and get to meet other members of the community, because, yeah. There's... Another thing I wanted to touch on was something that you said, John, about the fact that you've got the job and you're a white male. You might be the best person for that job, so what I don't want us to do is get into a position where we're giving females jobs just because it ticks a box. I believe that no matter if you're a man or a woman, and I do understand that females have less opportunity to get there, but at this point in time, if you're not good enough to have that job, you shouldn't have that job. So you're probably doing yourself a disservice because maybe you would have got that job if you were a woman anyway. But I don't want us to get to that point where we're thinking, right, I need to hire a woman for that, man for that, woman for That's that. That's exactly what, what you were saying, Lucky, as well, is that it isn't just about having a person that ticks a box from a minority group and the aim on the panel is to have a woman, a, a person of colour, a person from a, a, a different... It, it really isn't about that. It really is about just having the right person for the role and just making sure that people know to apply um, and I'm sure that we could carry on talking for a very long time because there, there is so much to say and so much still to do 
Um, but we have about 10 minutes left, so I would like to encourage the audience to ask any questions via the app, the QR code you'll find around. Um, but very quickly, I think we'll just do a, a quick round the table of a takeaway because we can definitely talk about all of the issues, but um, perhaps if there are any men in the audience or any women looking to make a change in their organization or, or, or just take some next steps, could everyone please give one, one takeaway about something they can go and do immediately that's already going to make a difference to their organization? So, John, I'll give you a, a little bit of time to think, but um, Lucky, would you? Well, you can first. I'll go well, on then, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a panel that pretends to be about something else that attracts loads of men and then say it. it's actually about yes. women in music. Love it. Chris, did you take notes? <laughs> that's what I've learned today. That's one of the big learns. I mean, I've learned loads, but that's a standout. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is a real problem. So, funnily enough, um, now we, we did a panel on women in events at, at the first, first event production show that I was involved with back in 2019. And I think there were actually less men than there are today. So, so we are seeing improvement, but um, that is very key. It's definitely, if you're having a conversation around a topic, it's, it's definitely including different parties to make sure that it isn't just one one singular view. Um, Jordan, how about yourself? Um, I was going to go along the lines of not being dependent on men's support of, I think we should take it upon ourselves as women to just absolutely go for what we want and not stop until we get there because I think it's hard work and determination that pays off in the end rather than somebody giving us that opportunity. But I think from an organisation point of view, shine a light on the amazing women that are in the industry, feature them on social media or do a film on them or just really give them a pedestal to have a voice. Oh, sorry, just really quickly, so um, something that you say there, I think it is absolutely key, and there are lo lots of women in the audience, so I would definitely say, if you can, put yourself out of your comfort zone. Don't, don't um, you know, force yourself to do the things. I mean, my first panel, when I hosted it, I was awful. I watched the recording. I just, I was really out of my comfort zone. I'm glad that I did that way back when, when I was at Union, and nobody, you know, it wasn't really a big thing. So whatever you're, you're worried about or potentially creating a barrier for yourself is, is just do it now because in, in five, 10 years, you'll look back and think, at least I got that out of the way and, and yeah. Um, I think for me, it's just like to something to touch on what you said about kind of like intimidating women and, you know, taking that risk of just, just if, you, if you find someone that you, that you do like, you know, have, you know, want to reach out to and want to connect with, like, don't think that we are intimidating or whatever, because sometimes we just have to be loud and bold because that's just like the attitude that you have to have to kind of, you know, to, to make it, to, to actually make it in this industry. Like, and you know what, if someone does have a problem with you approaching them on LinkedIn or at an event, that's on them, not on you. Like if they, you know, if they just like brush you off, then, you know, boo-hoo that woman. Um, so yeah, take the risk and make that introduction. Um, yeah, and just, just take risks, be bold, and don't be afraid to take up space. Like, you know, stand your ground. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that's it, really. I think the organisational point of view, I think I'm just going to take like, loads of what you guys said. Like, you're, an, you're amazing. Like, I've only met you today. Like, absolutely incredible woman. Like, lucky we've worked together for, you know, across the years. But everyone's incredible on this panel. I think there's just, like, so much that I've learned personally as well. So something that, that you said there that is really a, a real takeaway for me is, like, reaching out to someone on LinkedIn or sending an email it's so nice I'm starting to get people that are reaching out to me and being like hey can you help or and, and you know I think people are very willing to help whether it's men or women don't be afraid I, I've sometimes probably messaged people and they haven't got back to me but it, it 
if they haven't responded, and they probably won't remember. And so then, it's and not me. And like I said, that is on them. It's yeah. not on you. You're not the bad person for reaching out and asking for help, like that, or, or asking for a bit of advice. That's a great thing to do, and it's great to be able to do that. So people don't go back. They might be. They might be just busy. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing, like when you get loads of inquiries and things, like sometimes people do fall through the gaps. Don't take it personally. It is probably that somebody hasn't seen it. Like just keep trying, put yourself out there, ask the questions. It's a really big part of it. Um, I think my one takeaway for me is like the one thing I've learned over the years is that actually for me it's all about flexibility like the recent changes in flexibility will get us closer to equality and I think equality is the bit that will get closing this gap because like with and I was like I've seen since COVID it's been so nice having so many more men and dads stepping up so many more uh, fle shared parental leaves happening and just where it's not a thing some people have kids some people don't you know we can all be equals but it's still going to take some time well as much as I'm sure we could carry on, um, thank you guys so much. It's been really interesting hearing everyone's different perspectives. Um, and yeah, we just have five minutes left, so I would like to, to see if there are any questions from the audience. Um, you can use the QR code there, so if anyone would like to ask any of these amazing panelists for any tips or recommendations, then please take this opportunity. Uh, and if nobody does, then I'm sure you can catch up with us um, off stage. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for attending. We have a stall over at Naui if you'd like to come and say hi, whether you're female or male and would like to just have a chat or you would like to get some more takeaways, then please swing by. Thank you so much, everybody.